On today's Locked On Texan podcast, Cody and I review the preseason game with an emphasis on the running back and D-line position and the offensive performance under Davis Mills. We also get into the players that may have won or lost a roster spot. Cody, it's Monday. Let's go ahead and start the week off right. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Texan Podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts. I'm John, some sports guy Hickman. This is Cody Davis. We are reviewing the Houston Texan game from uh, Friday, right, mm-hmm. Cody? Against. L.A. Rams, they beat the L.A. Rams 24-20. to 20. Davis Mills threw for 96 yards, going 10 for 17 from the field. One TD, Kyle Allen and Jeff Driscoll both had a touchdown. Texas defense had a day, recording six sacks, seven tackles for loss, and 11 QB hits. The highlight of the night, Nico Collins coming mm. down with the jump ball for the score. Collins finished the night with four catches. 48 yards and the touchdown, touchdown, excuse me, Cody, the offense under Davis Mills was blank, filling the line. Let's talk about it. Disappointing. And this is the second preseason game in a row where I'm sitting there and I'm thinking to myself, did we A, overhype Davis Mills? Did we B, overhype Pep Hamilton? Or did we C, you know, still waiting for this organization to get into the rhythm and find their rhythm on that offensive side of the ball? And look, the game against the New Orleans Saints didn't really want to put that much into it because he only played, what, one, maybe two drives or whatever the case might be. But on Friday... John, you know, prior to the game, I say one of the things that I wanted to see was Davis Mills play an entire half. He played that entire half. So I'm happy about I'm happy about that. However, I did not like what I saw out of Davis Mills and this offense Friday night. Um, as a matter of fact, what I've seen from Davis Mills on that game on, on Friday, I'm looking at a guy, seems like it, it took him a, a long time to find his targets to go through his reads his delivery was not there on several occasions I I remember a time he threw threw the ball behind Chris Conley um there was like a miscommunication between him and Johnny Johnson the third I went back to review that play and this play took place um during that last drive of the first half but Davis Mills did not look good throwing the ball to Johnny Johnson the third and John you mentioned 10 for 17, 96 yards in the first half. I know a lot of people might think to themselves, that's a little bit decent if you didn't watch the game and you're just looking at the box score. However, outside of him going four for seven for 60 yards on that touchdown drive that ended with Nico Collins, and let's be real, there was only one play that really truly saved that drive, and that was that 32-yard um, bomb that he threw to Philip Dorsett. Outside of that, you're looking at a situation where Davis Mills was 6 for 10 for 36 
yards. That cannot happen for a guy that we are expecting to be this team's starting quarterback, not only for 2022, but like I say, hopefully beyond this season. But at the same time, this cannot happen for a quarterback that we are putting a lot of faith in to help this organization move the ball down the field. Now, with all that being said, when you take a look at this offense as a whole, from what we're seeing out of the wide receivers, what we're seeing out of Davis Mills, and what we are seeing um, out of the backfield as well, I think we could all agree as of right now, we haven't seen any anything different between a Tim Carley-led offense and a Pep Hamilton-led offense throughout these first two preseason games. However, during the post-game press conference, Davis Mills did explain that they, the Houston Texans still have a lot of stuff that they have yet to showcase in game. John, listeners and viewers, just take a listen to what Davis Mills had to say. Um, just continue building the rhythm out there, being comfortable uh, back in the pocket. Um, I mean, we'll have some different stuff going in week one that we haven't really showed too much in preseason that we're going to um, utilize and be effective that way. So just um, continue to build comfort out there and uh, take advantage of all the live reps um, that I'm, we're getting in preseason. What I have been seeing throughout training camp, I do believe that Pep Hamilton, Davis Mills, and the rest of this Houston Texans offense, they do have a lot of stuff in their offensive repertoire that they have not showcased throughout preseason. I do believe that. But, John, listeners and viewers, when I go back and I take a look at Davis Mills going 6 for 10 for 36 yards, and you're talking about a guy who was going up against the Los Angeles Rams, C, possibly D team on that defensive side of the ball, that kind of that 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 kind of concerns me. Okay, I will like to say that I think the coaching staff gave players an opportunity, uh, multiple players, an opportunity to secure positioning on that depth chart, or try to secure the rest of the life that they may have in the NFL with the Texans as well. So uh, that'll be something that I'll mention throughout the show when we look at the defensive line and the running back position. However, back to the offense. I do think Davis Mills did some things that were great. Uh, the chemistry between Mills and Collins, that was there. So it's not just a training camp and practice thing. It's a real thing. Again, as I mentioned earlier, four catches for Nico Collins for 48 yards. However, at the end of the first quarter, 16 total yards, 1.5 yards per play, four penalties, 0 for 2 on third down. These are some of the things that we were looking for not having to deal with this year. Those penalties that Houston Texans had in their first quarter were just boneheaded. Um, that led to the ineffectiveness of that offense early in the game. I thought how Marlon Mack was utilized. There was a lot of East and West running plays for him um, when Marlon Mack is one of those players where he has to be north and south. There's never been this game going side to side. So there are a couple of times where I thought the play calling for the running could have been better. However, when we look at multiple times throughout that first quarter and throughout the game for Max Sharper, had a very hmm. rough night outside of that first drive. He was beaten almost on every play. One of those led to a sack fumble. He recovered, but that knocked Houston out and did terrible things for their offensive rhythm. That was an issue for Houston offensively, was just getting into rhythm outside of that last 30 to 45 seconds where they were able to go down and score. Um, there were a couple of things where miscommunication was a problem. For Chris Conley, there was a play where I felt like he could have maybe helped out Davis Mills a little bit more by just driving back to the ball. Davis Mills put that ball right on the money, and it just 
the, the pass wasn't completed. Uh, when we look at the Houston offense being, I thought, 17 times Davis Mills was able to put the ball in the air. 17 attempts. I thought that was good for Davis Mills for him to get that rhythm. Saw a lot more Chester Rogers, Chester Rogers out there. Chris Moore was out there a lot more as well. But for the offense and Davis Mills, it's just these things and those opportunities, they have to connect. That's all it has to do for Davis Mills and his offense moving forward. And I think when we look at Pep Hamilton, he called a very good game, a good mixture of plays. Again, the running just wasn't ideal. Keon Green is desperately needed at that left guard position, or they may have to look at the free agency and guys that are getting cut and try to find better options because between Max Sharpen and McCray, if Keon Green isn't out on the field, that part of that offensive line will suffer drastically, and it's going to affect Damian Pierce, Marlon Mack, Davis Mills, which we saw on, on Friday. But the offense was stale at times until the last – Again, 30 seconds where we were able to see a dot from Davis Mills connecting with Philip Dorsett. Hell of a play by Philip Dorsett, which led to uh, Nico Collins getting that big, you know, jump ball came down with that. Houston had the opportunity to move the chains, and they just didn't. You saw how important Brandon Cooks is to this offense, how Mm -hmm. if he's on the field, some of those plays are getting made when they weren't made. And you also saw for Houston why it's very important for them, I think, still to go out there and find another receiver, another weapon for this Houston offense because who they had on the field just wasn't cutting it. I think when Brandon Cooks actually does play, we'll see more of some Cooks and Nico Collins and Jalen Camp. I think that will be a good formation out there for Houston at times. Philidor said had a very good game. But the theme I thought from this offense was – the lack of rhythm they were able to create throughout the game. And I think that is what we were looking for. We just didn't get a chance to see it. Really quick before moving on, John, I want to ask you this question as well. Another issue that I've noticed with this offense, at least throughout this preseason game on Friday, do you think as of right now, Pep Hamilton with Davis Mills on the center is calling too much of a conservative game? Because when I go back and I take a look at what Davis Mills did prior to that last drive where he had that touchdown pass to Nico Collins, once again, 6 for 10. That's not bad. But you went 6 for 10 for 36 yards, and a lot of your completions came by chuck chuck down plays. I don't like that because it seems like the Texans took more of a risk on that offensive side of the ball when you had Kyle Allen and Jeff Driscoll under center. Yeah, you know – to answer the question if they're being conservative, I think there were opportunities where Houston tried to mix it up. Listen, Davis Mills missed, and I mean completely missed Chris Moore when he went into motion and on play action. He was wide mm-hmm. open on the left side of the field. Right? I thought that was a creative play that can create rhythm, and Davis Mills just missed him. Kind of looked him off, and the pass was wide open for him. Uh, you had a play like when Chris Conley could have drove back a little bit better to the ball and helped out his, helped out his quarterback. You also had a play where uh, there was a play where they took a bomb downfield to Jalen Camp, and he kind of just got lost. The, the ball got lost in the sky, and he wasn't able to you know, catch that. He was wide open on that play. So it was times where I thought the play calling, even with the risk that Davis Mills took, because that, that play to Jalen Camp would have been 20-plus yards. There were times where the opportunities were there. They just didn't take them. And I think for a coach, well – 
if you're not taking the opportunities, let me dial it back real quick so we can get into a better rhythm to where you feel confident. Also, the wide receivers were doing a, bit, a good job of consistently creating separation while Davis Mills was in the game as well. That's another issue. But there were times and moments where the, the play could have been made. It just wasn't made. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your betting needs. Find all of your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for your odds, lines, and games. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports wagering information from live betting, in-game betting, scores, and podcasts. They have you covered. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening because BetOnline is where the game starts. Thanks for making Locked On Texas your first listen every day. It's Fantasy Draft Week on the Locked On Podcast Network, and experts from Locked On Fantasy Football and Locked On Dynasty Draft will bring you daily positional top 10 lists to get you ready for this season. Find Locked On Fantasy Football and Locked On Dynasty Football on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, it's just that. We feel like we have depth at the uh, – on the, on the defensive line, especially at the defensive end position. And uh, so it's good to see them, and you're going to need them, you know, uh, throughout. I thought they finished it off well, uh, getting decent pressure. But we have depth there, yes. That was your head coach of the Houston Texans, Lovey Smith, talking about the depth that they have at the, at the defensive line position. I 100% agree. This was one of those positions where, as I mentioned earlier in the show, the coaching staff gave opportunities to guys to either make or break their career right now. And uh, first and foremost, the lead man, Jonathan Gennard, just looked a lot faster and quicker than what he did last year. Uh, throughout the offseason, it was a point of emphasis for him to work on his defensive line moves. And all of that paid out on Friday. You were able to just to see him get to his spots a whole lot quicker um, he just moves faster, and there were several times where if he wasn't making the play, well, he disrupted the play in order for the play to be made on Friday. When also, when I look at, excuse me, that defensive line, no Malik Collins on Friday, but who got to start alongside with Roy Lopez? Michael DeWumfort. And I thought that was, you know, not strange, but it took me by surprise. I was shocked. And he got the start. Four sacks for Houston in that first quarter. They forced the Rams to go 0-4 on third down. They were also rotating the interior defensive line. We were able to see Kirk Harness out there with Rolla Pez several times. Then we also were able to see Michael Dorn for out there with Rolla Pez. So I think that they are giving that, that one technique and three technique. They're giving those guys an opportunity to compete for themselves, to man out how this depth chart is going to look. Ross Blacklock had a very tough game. I thought mm-hmm. that in the first half, he did some things that was not going to show up on paper. Um, he was able to take on some double teams, which allowed a sack here. He was able to do a very good job of attacking. Whenever they were running those DT stunts, he did a very good job, his job, of gap control on those DT stunts, and that led to a play. He did some things that just doesn't show out on paper. 
However, the penalties at the end of the game, they put him out there defensively and they give him an opportunity to show his versatility. That didn't look good and go well for Ross Blacklock. So he had a very rough day. But when we look at this defensive line group, Okawankwo, another good day. Derek Rivers, uh, another good game. These guys are doing a very good job throughout the board of just being very solid players that Houston can do uh, some things with situationally. And that's what we were able to get. Thomas Booker, he had an up and down night, but I am very impressed by Kirk Hernish, who were able to get out there, play with those ones, prove that he belongs in the NFL. Houston really does like him along this defensive line. And for Roy Lopez, he were able to get in. He got a sack, got creative and active. Overall, I was very thoroughly impressed with this defensive line group. The coaching staff is going to have a very difficult time of trying to get rid of some of these guys because uh, some of those guys really kind of just blossom in the last two games. I was impressed, but I'm not surprised. John, over the last two weeks, you've heard me rave about this defensive line unit. As a matter of fact, last week we talked about how deep this defensive line was, and we also talked about how important Friday game would be as Nick Casario, Lovey Smith tried to cut the defensive line unit in terms of making a very solid 53-man roster, and I think the production that they gave on Friday just made their job a little bit harder because, look, I'm going to just go back to my notes of what I said the other day. When you break this defensive line unit group down, there are three, possibly four things that you can look at. First and foremost, you got to take a look at your vets. Mario Addison, Malik Collins, Jerry Hughes. You got to take a look at your youngsters, John Grenard, Roy Lopez, Tommy Booker. And then you got to take a look at your situational guys, Okoronko, Derek Rivers, Rasheem Green. That's nine defensive linemen right there. You know, most Remember teams, Houston carried eight last year. They carry eight. I'm already at nine. And by the way, I haven't even mentioned Ross Blacklock, a guy that, I mean, look, the second half of Friday's game wasn't that good, especially that driver. He got called for, what, two penalties on one play. That hurt the Houston Texans. But, John, you also brought in Michael. You brought in Kurt. As of right now, we're looking at, what, 12, 13 defensive linemen who can really make an impact for the Houston Texans for this upcoming year. I'm looking beyond a 53-man roster. I do believe that the talent that they have at this position group is going to be very beneficial to the Houston Texans practice squad unit because at the end of the day, if you can have guys like Michael and, and guys like Kirk coming from the practice squad or whatever the case might be, putting them in the game, and they can still go out there and make an impact, that lets you know how talented that position group is. Now, to go from another position group that we talked about last week to another position group in the running back core everybody damian pierce is okay it he's ain't okay. no maybe to start i believe i truly believe he's healthy he's, fine. <laughs> he's healthy he's fine the only reason why we did not see damian pierce on friday is because lovey smith said you know what we saw enough of this young kid. We need to see what else we have in this backfield. And, John, between Rex Burkhead, between Marlon Mack, between Dare, I truly believe that this running back position is going to be another position group where it's going to be tough for Casario and Smith to see who are they going to keep, who they're going to cut, and who they're going to put on that practice squad roster. And to be honest with you, I really do believe that 
this running back core is definitely going to be shaken up after Thursday preseason game against the San Francisco 49ers because look, after one game, and I'm pretty sure it's because he averaged 9.8 yards per attempt against the New Orleans Saints, Damian Pierce already have his roster spot solidified. And as, and as you just alluded to, he's basically starting the number one running back going into week one against the Indianapolis Colts. However, I'm more concerned about who's on the bubble between Marlon Mack and Rex Burkhead. Um, Marlon Mack is the most talented running back, and but I don't really think he done a lot, done enough over these last two preseason games. While I could say his roster spot is solidified, um, Russ Burkhead. I mean, I'm I'm in the game. I'm seeing the same Russ Burkhead that we saw last year, a guy that didn't really provide the Houston Texans enough. In the backfield, however, we do know his relationship with Nick Casario. We do know he is one of the top veterans, one of the top leaders for this organization. And, of course, when you take a look at Dare, I mean, this is a guy I truly believe that's going to be very beneficial as a pass catcher coming out of the backfield. So, when I, John, when you take a look at these three running backs, like, who do you believe is, A, on the bubble, and who shouldn't be a part of this 53-man roster after this final preseason game on Thursday night. Well, first I want to look at uh, Roy Freeman. Uh, Royce Freeman. Listen, like I mentioned, guys, the coaching staff, Lovey Smith, Pep Hamilton, those guys did a did a did a job of they, it feels like they came together and said, let's give some of these guys an opportunity. In two games, Royce Freeman has had 21 carries. One of those 21 carries, uh 55 yards. So he hasn't had a good showing in those first two games. They've given him the opportunity to do so. He is out there with third and fourth stringers who may or may not make the team or Houston may or may not keep around at all. But I think he's a player that who's on his depth chart currently. He won't be a part of Houston moving forward. Out of Marlon Mack and Rex Burkhead, of Marlon Mack, let me say this. I think if he's if he's going to be used consistently – Again, make sure that he is a north and south. The stretch plays are not his forte. Is not working, especially when the interior offensive line, excuse me, cannot get to their man and get to their point and move a guy out the way. That was an issue. There was a stretch play where right off the snap, I'm like, Max Sharpen, what are you doing? And he got beat terribly, and that led to Marlon Mack not being able to go anywhere. Right, Marlon Mack is a player that one foot in the ground go. I thought that he, uh, there was a cut that he could have made on one of those plays where if he would have cut back left, there was an opportunity for him to get a first down, maybe even more. Those are the opportunities that I think Marlon Mack needs. However, he's been more active than Rex Burkhead. Rex Burkhead has done things that don't show up on paper, like good chip block. Yeah, yeah good, good chip block off the edge. No, good job. Uh, he had a couple of catches here and there, had a couple of carries in the first two games but overall if you're asking me then yes it should be Marlon Mack. Marlon Mack is your veteran style running back that fits what you have in Damian Pierce who just may be RB1 when the season mm. starts. He should be. So you have Marlon Mack wouldn't necessarily be the change of pace. He can come in and do the exact same thing that you're maybe successful with maybe not as good as and then yeah now you have Dare or if you want to look at in any other running back on the group I think Dare should make the team. Marlon Mack should be number two. 
Damian Pierce should be number one of this roster at running back. I think they still may end up carrying four running backs because they may not want to get rid of Rex Burkhead. If you, I'm looking at this from a standpoint. Remember, this was a, a big talking point last year. Uh, what they carry like five running backs last year, and everybody was like, "Why?" But I don't think this it would be in the Texans' best interest to carry four running backs. I agree with you. I think it should be three. Pierce, of course, running back number one. Mac running back number two, and of course, you got Dar Ray. I feel like if you if if this organization keeps Rex Burkhead a part of this 53 man roster then that means it's going to leave the Houston Texans short, possibly at the wide receiver position. And that is a position, like we say here almost every single week, given the loss of John Mitchie, they need to make sure that they that they carry a lot of guys at that position group. Because look, as of right now, outside of Nico Collins and Brandon Cooks, this is a position I group Philip that Dorsett needed. had a very good show. Yeah, I, I, I was actually Friday. saving Philip Dorsett for our conversation um, for, the, for the last segment. But for the sake of this argument, I'm going to add Philip Dorsett, Philip Dorsett to this um, equation. Outside of those three wide receivers, who else do you have? Everybody else is hasn't been consistent or they haven't really shown anything yet. When you take a look at a guy like Chris Moore, Chris Conley, those are guys who haven't really shown anything yet. When you take a look at guys like Johnny Johnson III, um, that is a guy, you know, last week against the New Orleans Saints was really good. Um, this week against the Los Angeles Rams, I'm, uh, he really didn't show much. So that's that consistency problem. Like, I just feel if you keep Russ Burkhead, you're going to be robbing the Houston Texans from a guy at a position group, i.e. wide receiver, where you can add somebody that's going to be a little bit more beneficial than what's, what Rex Burkhead is going to be able to bring to the table. Hey, guys, sometimes we know you can be out hanging with some of your friends, putting a few drinks back. A few becomes a few too many. And as the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. You can make it home. It's okay. No big deal. Well, what are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? Even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up. You lose your license. You lose your job. You total your car. Or you could kill someone. Everyone knows about the risk of drunk driving. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our road to save lives. So <clears throat> if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again, play it safe, plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober, don't get pulled over. Thanks for making Locked On Texans your first listen today. Now make Locked On Fantasy Football your second listen. Find the intellectual fantasy expert, Vinny Iyer, who brings over 20 years of experience and a unique angle to give you the moves no one else has. Get ready for your fantasy draft with Locked On Fantasy Football. Cody, right before we get out of here for today, I think it's important to talk about guys that – May stick around a little bit longer, may not mm. stick around a little bit longer. Let me say this. There's a young man out of the 409 who I think deserves a roster spot. Safety, Graylin Arnold. He's been playing great for Houston throughout camp and throughout these first two preseason games. What shows and pops out to me, Cody, is his willingness 
on special teams. Hmm. Like, he's out there making plays as a special teamer. Will he be a starter? Maybe not. But if we can get him out on the field, he can go down there and make some plays uh, for Houston on the special team. That would be great. He has six total tackles on Friday, five by himself. Um, he also played did a very good job of playing that safety position as well, played better than Eric Murray. This isn't a get Eric Murray out of town <laughs> set, but I'm just saying <laughs> Brendan Arnold, who is not too far from Houston, just told you guys his area code, uh, he did a very good job on Friday. Also, another player, Kirk Harnish, just he keeps just like he, guys, if, if you, you just know that this coaching staff who likes is keeping around not because they like him, just off because they like him. He's out there making plays, whether it's at camp or during the games. He's out there balling, Cody. And uh, I thought that Philip Dorsett, who we gave a lot of love to, he's did good. But a guy that I thought just, you know, did do himself any favor, two guys, Max Sharpen and Ross Blacklock. I, I think both mm-hmm. of those players are in a position where they're on that bubble. And for Ross, Ross – the theme for Ross has been consistency, right? Again, guys, if you go back and watch that game on Friday, the way that he stunt and took on two men to allow a, a, a clear one-on-one opportunity for a linebacker who made the sack on that play, those are some of the things that Ross does well. Gap integrity, right? Those are some of the things that Ross does well. But when you're out there with third and fourth stringers, on the offensive line, and you're not able to beat them consistently, then I think that's a problem. So I, I think in that second half, some of the things that he does well that doesn't show up on paper, that stopped happening. And then eventually some of those stats have to show up on paper, and that's not happening at all as well. And for Max Sharpen, it just it doesn't seem like he's engaged for the Houston Texans right now. Um, there were several times throughout that first quarter where if you look at his play, you're wondering whether or not he even wants to be in town, whether or not he's ready to move on. And, I'm, and I, Max was a guy that I was I thought could be a steal for Houston after his rookie year. I thought he put together a very decent rookie year, but since then his stock has been way, 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 way down, kind of like um, dog coin, Dogecoin. But uh, those two players are the two guys that I would say what what's happening? What's going on? Um, uh, Ross Blacklock. That is a very interesting one, um, John. And I think I mentioned this last week when we talked about the defensive line coordinator. You guys know I had an opportunity to interview him last week, fresh off the practice field. I don't think Blacklock's roster spot is in question. However, I do believe that his rotational spot is in question. Um, and look, it's basically everything that you just finished talking about. Consistency has always been his number one issue. You keep giving him love about the stunt that he did in the first half that led to a sack. That is good. But at the same time, we go back to him getting two flags, two penalty calls on him at a very crucial moment. And as you mentioned, if you're out there with third and four stringers and you can't beat your man, then that is a huge issue. 
I've been preaching this for a while now. As long if Black, if Ross Blacklock can find some type of consistency, he's going to have a very decent career. However, as we see throughout these two preseason games, especially the one that took place on Friday, consistency is still an issue for him. Max Sharpen, I 100% agree. He should no longer be a part of this organization moving forward. The one guy that I think is on the bubble. I believed he was on the bubble last week, and I believe he did himself no favors this week. Um, Chester Rogers. I haven't seen nothing from Chester Rogers. I know he had that one return that where he went for what fifteen or twenty yards, had put the Houston Texans in great field position. However, outside of the outside of that, I haven't seen much from him. He also then he he fumbled right at the um, goal line that put the that put the Los Angeles Rams at great position to score a touchdown and. I haven't seen much from him as of right now. The Houston Texans did place him on the um, on the injury reserve list as of right now. So, I mean, once again, Chester Rogers, we know why the Houston Texans signed him because of the loss of John Mechie. However, the fact that you did not have a good preseason game, the fact that you have yet to stand out to anybody throughout training camp and practices, now you're injured again, and we're not even at the start of the 2021 campaign. And also, as I mentioned last week, and look, I get it. Injuries is something he cannot control. But at the same time, if he's on the IR list and you got guys like Philip Dorsett, Johnny Johnson III, Jalen Kemp, all these other wide receivers who are fighting for a position, uh, fighting for a roster spot on this 53-man roster, I just do not see him making I don't I don't see him being part of this 53 man roster, John. Um hopefully he gets healthy sooner rather than later. And maybe, you know, Nick Casario, Lovey Smith, um, Frank Ross, the special teams coordinator, maybe they could see something in him that I don't see that's going to keep him around. But as of right now, especially as we head into this last preseason game, I don't see Rogers being part of this organization too much longer. I do want to give kudos to that linebacker group between Kamu Grugier-Hill and Christian Kirksey. Those guys were flying around. Uh, they looked a whole lot faster, and as a tandem, they looked like the communication was there. So I think that's something we have to talk about later this week. The Texans did cut linebacker Tay Davis, Andy Jonovich, Jonovich Myron Cunningham, and as you mentioned, they placed Chester Rogers on the injured reserve. Andy getting cut, and I want to say this, it strictly speaks to, I think, because they invested a lot of money into Andy Jonovich. I want to say that he got a, a signing bonus of like $2 million. It speaks to how good of a player Paul Quisenberry had been, has been for the Houston Texans at their fullback position. Mm -hmm. And they also have a young man in uh, Hurston, number 34, who is listed as a defensive end, but he's been playing a lot of special teams in fullback. He's been having a very good camp as well for Houston. And not only has he been having a good camp, but what he's been able to do has been showing out there on the field. I think they like his versatility. But right now, uh, Quisenberry has been playing very good at fullback. And I think that's why Houston is no longer uh, keeping Andy Jonovich around as well. Thank you guys for checking out today's episode of the Locked on Texan podcast. Be sure to subscribe to subscribe, excuse me, <laughs> to the Locked on Texan YouTube page on YouTube under Locked on Texans. Follow me on Twitter at John underscore Hickman 12. 
And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at CodyDavis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody, C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace.